I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. It is your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, it's Ian Mendes uh, sitting in one of the chairs, uh, but we got the pinch hitter extraordinaire. What do we call him? Lee Mazzilli. That's right. Just not with the, without Mark the tight Lassie. pants. Yeah, without the there tight you pants. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lee Mazzilli uh, of uh, the Athletic Hockey Show. Mark Lazarus is with us for the next hour. As always, on a Thursday, Jesse Granger is going to drop by for some Granger things. We'll talk about his piece uh, that he wrote earlier this week on uh, – the, uh, the, the net's coming off a little bit easier. I want to talk a little bit about the GM meetings. we got the draft lottery date set. Gary Bettman spoke. Um, all of that. The Q, QMJHL, is planning on banning fighting. we got a lot to get to. But Mark Lazarus, i got to ask you first, because uh, you have kids that are right, I think, in the wheelhouse for this. Earlier this week, the NHL uh, had the Big City Greens broadcast. Capitals, Rangers, and it was animated. And I need to know how your kids enjoyed this broadcast. You know, I, I was at the Blackhawks Bruins game and I had no idea that this was coming. And I saw uh, uh, Greg Wyshynski and a bunch of other people were tweeting about it. And so I texted my wife. I said, hey, if, you're, if the girls aren't doing anything, throw them in front of the TV, put on Disney Plus, see what they think about this. Because it looked really cute. It looked fun. And, I, and you know, I, I, in, at the game, I couldn't really get a good look at it. And, uh, you know, I talked to them this morning and they, they both watched a half hour of hockey last night or on Tuesday night, and that's about 29 more minutes than they've ever watched in their lives. My daughter, older daughter just turned 11, and my other daughter is 7, and it, it, they've never seen Big City Greens. I've never even heard of this show before. We're a Bluey family, but um, it was, uh, they, they loved it. Like, and my, my daughter, my 7-year-old, my when she got home from school today, said, can we finish watching the game? 
which is the most mind-blowing thing my seven-year-olds ever said to me because my kids just don't watch sports. It's just a thing that they don't – I put on sports so they stop watching TV, basically. It's a way to keep them away from the screen. And they loved it. They loved the interviews. They thought it was hilarious. Uh, they loved Kevin Weeks. And, 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 you know, and I showed them a picture of them behind the scenes with, like, you know, all the ping-pong balls on them and the mocap suits like they're Andy Serkis uh, in Lord of the Rings. They loved all of it. They thought it was great. They were laughing at it. They didn't know who the characters were, but they were laughing at the interviews. They thought it was great that there was a grandma in goal. Uh, they, they recognize Patrick Kane. The, my older is Patrick Kane's on the Rangers now. I'm like, thanks for reading, sweetie. Appreciate it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, they, it was great. Like, like the, like, I remember when the, when the NFL did the, when Nickelodeon had the, the NFL games, you know, they had like yeah. the slime broadcast and when they scored a touchdown, they shot slime into the end zones and stuff. That's the most football my kids have ever watched. Like this is a way to get kids into sports because a lot of kids aren't just like my wife and I are obviously big sports people and my kids couldn't care less about it. This is a way in. This is an entry point. And it's something the NHL should be getting a lot of credit for and they should do a lot more of. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Like, I, I always thought about it was always crazy to me that Nickelodeon did those NFL games, but they were playoff games. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm a big Dallas fan. I don't want to, you know, Dak Prescott throws a pick six and all of a sudden, like, slime. Like, <laughs> I would need to watch my own feed. As Let a the Giants fan, I would love that. Yeah. Their own, right? <laughs> I I don't think I could watch a. Could you watch an NHL playoff game that was animated? No, like I like couldn't. the Big City Green style. Could you like a game that mattered? Could you watch I couldn't, it? But but my kids won't watch it not animated. So it gives you options, right? Right. Like like, like, like he, this is one of the league's biggest problems. Is you know I, you were you were complaining I think just the other week wasn't it you that were complaining about seven thirty starts. On weeknights? That sounds like me, yeah. Yeah, every Blackhawks game starts at 7.40 p.m. Every home game, other than Sunday, start at, they start at 6. But every other, so it's Tuesday night, it's 7.30. The game ends at like 10, 15 p.m. And most of the fans are from the suburbs, so it's a you know 45-minute drive home. You cannot take your kid to a Blackhawks game on, a, on a, almost any home game. They don't play any day games. Like the Flyers always have those, uh, one what is it, 1 p.m. games on Saturdays. Like, yeah. Those should be mandatory in the NHL that on weekends you should have to play day games. It's it's ridiculous. Even a 6 p.m. Sunday night, that's still a school night. You're not getting home till 1030. Hold on. Is a Chicago, a person who lives in Chicago complaining about the lack of matinee sporting events? Hey, I, I got spoiled like, my first few years in the beat when they would play those 1130 a.m. games against the Red Wings every Sunday. Well, you got all the every, how those many Cubs the games are in the afternoon? Yeah, but now Get they're terrible and all their games are even later. Like TNT starts 9 p.m. Central Time starts for Central Time Zone teams because they think it's the West Coast. It's all those playoff series I cover when it was the Blackhawks Wild or Blackhawks Predators and every game would start at 8.47 p.m. Starting. How are you going to build your fan base yeah, when not can. a single child can watch the game? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with the big city greens. I, again, I'm with you. Thought it was a great idea for the league to animate a game. I was kind of shocked it was a Wednesday 7 p.m. game. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense to do this on a weekend? Yeah, I, I, had, I, had, I had seen nothing. We watched we watch everything Star Wars, Bad Batch, Mandalorian, uh, all the Marvel movies. We're on Disney Plus a lot. Bluey's on Disney Plus. We're a big Disney Plus household. I had no idea this was happening. I watch ESPN a lot, and I watch uh, Disney Plus a lot, and I had no idea this was happening until it started, and people started tweeting about it. And I'm a hockey writer. I didn't get yeah. a single press release about it. I didn't get any commercials about it. Like, this is a thing that you should have been touting for a while, and a lot more people would have, I think, watched it. And you're right. Why wasn't that a Sunday at 2.30 uh, afternoon game? Yeah. Anyway, I, I love it. I love anything outside the box that's going to uh, 
add some fans into the game. Grow the like fan you said, base, you're, you're, yes. Your, your kids were interested in it. That's enough for me. And I'm sure uh, they weren't alone. I'm sure lots of other uh, kids and young fans enjoyed it. So I love it. I just, I'd love it if they did that on the weekend. That's yeah, take, after take, take more chances like this. Cause it, it might've come across as really goofy, but it was almost universally. Everybody loved it. Take more chances. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about this. This isn't as fun as a uh, animated broadcast. And I, I know that on the Wednesday edition of the athletic hockey show, uh, Mike Russo and, uh, and company, uh, Russo had his conversation with Flyers general manager, Danny Briere. And that was recorded before the news came out uh, involving Danny Breer's son. So for the listeners who don't or maybe aren't familiar with this story, I'll just give them a very quick recap of this. Uh, Danny Breer's 23-year-old son, Carson, uh, was caught on a very widely circulated video clip on the weekend, or on Tuesday, sorry, that this is when the the video was uh, released. It's a video of him pushing an unoccupied wheelchair down a set of stairs. Uh, I mean, the video, me describing it should do enough justice to it, uh, but it's exactly the way I describe it. It is a 23-year-old guy taking a wheelchair very casually and purposely throwing it down a flight of stairs. And it was at, uh, it was at some kind of party where the wheelchair user was in the room next door and needed to needed that to be basically carried down the stairs if I read that correctly, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I think what I understood like from this like was it wasn't like a random wheelchair. It was somebody's wheelchair. It it was the wheelchair of a young woman who I guess the bathrooms were downstairs and in order for her to use the bathroom, she had to be carried down by friends while she was down there. The wheelchair sat unoccupied at the top of the stairs where Daniel Breer's son, Carson, thought, wouldn't this be funny? Let's throw this down the stairs. Um, There was statements released by Danny Breer and uh, his son, Carson, today. Danny Breer saying, uh, now the the Flyers general manager, quote, he was shocked to see the video. Carson Breer says, there is no excuse for my actions. I will do whatever I can to make up for this serious lack of judgment. He is a player on the Mercyhurst University hockey team, Laz, and you know the, the hockey team has, has released a statement. The program has said, um, you know, we pray for and are in solidarity with the victim and all persons with disabilities uh, who rightly, uh, rightfully find these actions deeply offensive. Yeah, so- Mer- Mer- Mercyhurst blew this real bad. Like they just uh, on Wednesday evening suspended all three student athletes that were involved, including Briere, and it's because it, mainly because they were getting just obliterated online for that that mealy mouth statement about basically uh you know he's he feels bad and we're going to pray for him and that's sufficient which obviously it wasn't and uh you know this isn't some kid this is a 23 year old man you know there are 23 year olds in the NHL that have been in the NHL for 5 years these aren't children yeah this was a stupid thing that was done a malicious mean and spirited haha look at me I'm so funny thing and the the university was going to look the other way and just gloss over it uh, until people really rose up against them. That's kind of the power uh, and the and the scariness of the internet these days. But it, it, it's 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 been infuriating to watch people defend it. Like like it's it, it's look. Did he murder somebody? No. This isn't like a capital offense, but it's indefensible. Like there's no reason to do it. No. There's nothing good that could have come from it. It was only mean spirited and malicious. And there should be consequences for your actions when you do something like that. The, the, the number of people 
saying, come on, relax, the wheelchair was unoccupied is startling to me. I mean, wheelchairs are so expensive. Yeah. They're 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 delicate. I mean, you can't just throw them down a flight of stairs. Like, like I mean, I don't even I, I can't even believe that there are people defending this and and I'm with you a lot. The idea that yeah, oh, boys can uh, boys will be boys. Uh, let them go. Guy's 23. He, hell, let me put it this way. And you know, I, I have two daughters. They're 18 and 15. But if I had daughters of that age, kids of that age, even 15, and I and the video of, was of one of them throwing a wheelchair down a flight of stairs, I wouldn't pass that off as like youthful ignorance. I would say that's uh, an illustration of a deeper issue, like a uh, a real entitlement and a and, yeah. a and a lack of empathy. And there's a problem with a lot of young men in this world. There is, and unfortunately, some of them play hockey, but some of them do other things. But but the idea that this guy threw this thing down the stairs, and then I don't know, like his statement was just—I think his statement was worse than the universities. Yeah, I don't even know what you do. But I feel I feel for Danny Briere because imagine you're like, oh, I finally got my chance. <laughs> To be a general manager of an NHL team, I've been waiting a few years, and at some point his phone buzzed and he got this information that, hey, Dan, just an FYI, this is what Carson did. Literally, like on like, your second day on the job, this goes viral. Like he really yeah. needs that right now. Uh, it, it, yeah. it is frustrating because it, it is it's it's a symptom of a larger issue with like you know this is a key, this is a, a hockey player at Mercyhurst College. This isn't like a superstar who 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 has been on a pedestal his whole life and feels like he's above the law. Like. Not that that's an excuse, but we see that a lot. This is a guy who got kicked off the team at what at Arizona State, or yeah. was it because he was partying too. He admitted he's partying too much, and that's why he got kicked a violation of team rules. And here he is saying, "Oh, you know, I made a mistake. I know better." He doesn't know better. He has shown before he doesn't no. know better. He doesn't deserve grace here. He doesn't deserve our thoughts and prayers. He's an asshole who did an asshole thing. There's no other way of looking at this. <laughs> yeah, no. But but go to the comment section of our article on the Athletic Twitter, and you will find that there is a counter argument. I'm not saying it's valid. I'm just I'm shocked by the number of people defending this type of action. But I guess that's the world we live in, right? I well, mean, it's funny you asked me we, we, just before we came on the air. You asked me if I had read the comments on that story yet, and I said, and actually, I haven't. I've been trying to avoid the comments lately because they're worse than usual. I said, and I joked. I bet you it's everybody defending the kid. And then you're like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's so disheartening how it is. Boys will be boys. Like that's the attitude that gets, you know, boys will be boys because they're throwing down a a wheelchair down a a, a flight of stairs leads to boys will be boys doing much more egregious things that you and I have reported a lot on. If you allow the little things, then you allow the bigger things. Then they think they can get away with the really horrible things. Yeah, and that's and a, listen, the boys will be boys attitude is not acceptable in 2023. No, and and what's crazy is you look at some of the comments and people say, "Oh, I guess you've never must be nice being perfect." I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just Have saying you ever I've never thrown a wheelchair down the stairs. I've never thrown somebody's wheelchair down the stairs. That's all I'm saying. There's a line. Yeah, I did stupid things when I was young. It usually involved injuring myself. Or yes. losing money gambling. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't me being injurious to other people and being callous and cold and horrible. Like, no. that's not a... Well, I was 23 years old. I was a grown-ass man. I wasn't stupid like that. And we can expect better of people. Yeah. No, exactly. Anyway, so... Uh, 
I never would have thought Danny Breer's biggest uh, you know issue that he would have to deal with in week one as Flyers general manager is that, but that is what uh, that is what is uh, top of mind, I'm sure, for him uh, right now. What is top of mind for you, I'm sure, uh, Laz, on Monday, the NHL announcing the date of the draft lottery. It's May the 8th. <laughs> That's Monday, Christmas May morning 8th. in so, Chicago. You've been waiting for this day. It's circled in your calendar. What uh, What's the feeling now in Chicago and, and, and I would assume also in Columbus, Arizona, Montreal, all these places that are probably also uh, equally excited about May the 8th? You know, it's so funny. On Tuesday night, that like people had circled Tuesday night on their calendars, Blackhawks fans, because the Blackhawks were playing the Mighty Mighty Bruins oh. and the Blue Jackets were playing the Sharks, the two teams quote-unquote, ahead of them in the uh, tank yeah. standings. And everyone was like, man, the Blackhawks are going to lose. If only that Blue Jackets-Sharks game goes to overtime. The Blue Jackets-Sharks game went to overtime, and the Blue Jackets won. That is your absolute best-case scenario as a Blackhawks fan. But an hour earlier, the Blackhawks whipped the Bruins and <laughs> rendered it all moot. Like, right. it's, the tank, the, the, the tank, it's funny, you know, I wrote a column basically like, Luke Richardson is going to finish in like 30th place in the NHL. And he probably deserves down ballot Jack Adams award uh, votes because <laughs> this yeah. roster he's got is is spectacular. This is this would be a mediocre AHL roster by a lot of standards, and he's getting them competing. They almost beat the Lightning. They almost beat the Panthers. Like they're in every game, and uh, and Blackhawks fans are furious about it. They wish Jeremy Colleton were still here. Like that's like an actual conversation today. Is we'd quote what we'd be better off if Colleton stuck around another year. Like they're mad at the coach for doing his job really well because it's going to cost them Connor. Like if we, if we pick fourth or fifth overall, this whole season's a waste and they're not wrong, but that's how bleak things are. They're mad. The most, that was the most fun night at the United States. The crowd was going nuts. There were tons of Bruins fans there back and forth chanting a wild game, lead changes, response goals. It was great stuff. And everyone not in the United Center was furious about it. This is where we're at. Unreal. So, uh, May the 8th. Now, I want to know, do you think, like, uh, look, Ottawa was, like, at the top of the draft lottery for a few years, uh, 2018, 2020, uh, you know, where, and, and fans used to have, I, I'd be curious to know from uh, fans of, uh, you know, Buffalo fans have probably been through this. Like I said, Ottawa fans have been through it, Detroit fans. Like, did they have some good luck? I'm wondering if Chicago fans will have some, like, good luck charms. I want to hear from listeners. Like, do you legitimately have a good luck charm that you're going to lucky shirt, lucky something may the eighth. Are you going to be pulling for that? Cause this is franchise altering, right? Yeah. Like this is, this could de determine your sports related happiness for the next decade. If Connor Bedard ends up in your team. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, when the Blackhawks won the Patrick Kane lottery, they had an 8.5%. Yeah. They were like the like seventh or eighth team in the in, in in the possibility of winning it, and they want it. And what if they don't win? What if they don't get Patrick Kane? They don't get Taves and Kane in back to back drafts, number three overall, number one overall. Everything's different. You don't have Patrick Kane. You probably don't win any of those cups, let alone three of them. So this is the kind of thing that changes. And I understand why fans are so fixated on it, all these terrible teams because it's the only light at the end of the tunnel, right? Because we see Buffalo in year ten maybe trying to possibly be the eight seed in the East. We see Detroit in year, I don't know, seven, and they're still trading 24-year-old top pair defensemen for futures. Yep. Like this, does, you, you know as well in Ottawa how long this can take. Uh, you know, I was talking to Mackenzie Entwistle the other morning, and he pointed to Buffalo and Ottawa. I'm like, 
as as like that's like the model. I'm like, are you sure? Is that really what you want here? Because <laughs> it like even if you do it right, it usually doesn't work. You have to get so lucky. So if you get Bedard, or even if you get Fantilli, who you know all the smart people tell me would have been a number one overall pick in other drafts, um, if you'd get a Leo Carlson, or if you have to wait three years for Mitchkoff, it changes things dramatically. Yeah. So anyway, we'd love to hear from the listeners. If you're one of the fan, a fan of one of these kind of Arizona, Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago type of team, what are you going to do to ensure the hockey gods? What do you, you mail to your GM to bring with him? Like, yeah, do you give Kyle Davidson like a Portillo's hot dog or something like that, and you know, uh, tip top sandwich uh, to Yarmo Kekalainen? Like, what, what do you the, give these guys? The tip top that pot roast, the pot roast sandwich, sandwich yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, so do, are you, are you, like, what, what do you, I mean, I, I, now, now we must preface this by, by acknowledging the cold, hard truth that Gary Bettman has told us that teams don't tank. So this is not a real discussion that we're having here, but right. what would you do about this? Cause this is hideous. Like what the Blackhawks are doing, what the Coyotes are doing, what uh, like the Blue Jackets are kind of losing. Honestly, like they went out and signed, like I, I almost kind of hope they win because they went out and signed Johnny Gaudreau. Like they were trying to do something and then the bottom fell out. Like they're losing, honestly, while these other teams are just so blatantly nakedly choking on purpose. Like, are you okay with this? Like, is there a way around? I love the gold plan. You know, like once a team's eliminated, they start accumulating points and the team that gets the yeah. most points. Like in incentivizes doing well down the stretch. I love that. Never gonna happen. Like, is there any solution to this? Or are we just always gonna have tanking? You know what? It's a great in fact, okay. Tell you what, why don't we just kind of skip ahead? I'm gonna read some emails here because we got one email that addresses this exact issue, and there's a proposal here. So a reminder, you can always email us the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. So this is a question for us, Laz. This one comes in from Casey. Casey writes in, I absolutely despise that the worst team at the end of the regular season gets a reward of the highest chance to get the first pick overall. Everyone has been talking about a play-in tournament, but I have a new idea. What about a play-out tournament? Here's the idea. The bottom 16 teams compete in a playoff season, and the winner of that playoff season gets an extra percentage towards their lottery pick taken away from the other teams. I know that there are some details that need to be worked out. However, this would be a lot more interesting than watching teams blatantly tank and get rewarded. That comes in from Casey. Now, All right. the issue you, with that, though, Casey, is that you're never going to get the players to kind of lay out and block shots and do the things if they know that you're going to draft potentially their replacement, right? That's exactly it. That's the, We always say players don't tank. That's the biggest reason why. Yeah. Nobody, no, no self-respecting NHL player is waiting for some teenager to come and save them, let alone take their jobs. Players don't want this. They don't want to finish in last place. They, they're like, screw you management. We're trying to shove this up here. You know what? Like, this is not a thing the players care about. This is only a thing management cares about. So I I love the idea. It'd be fun. It's just not feasible. It doesn't work. Yeah. I, I, look, I know they've talked about a lot of things, right? Limiting the number of times you can pick first overall or limiting... Uh, yeah, I, I don't well, you, know. You I finished don't know, dead you last. Know. I mean, you finished dead last. You have a seventy-five percent chance of not getting the first round pick, the first pick overall. Like but, it guarantees you a top three pick, but in yeah. a lot of drafts, that doesn't mean anything. You can go Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Dylan Strom. I mean, there's sometimes a really big drop off there. So they've taken measures to make tanking less appealing. But if you're gonna suck, 
you're going to really suck because there's no point in finishing 11th. Right. And, and, and ironically, I mean, that's where Ottawa might finish is 11th, right? And, and, and you can only move up 10 spots, but it's, I don't know what the answer is. Like th- this was a real problem. Like when, when the Penguins drafted Mario Lemieux, like for, for younger fans, hmm. like at the end of the, that season, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New Jersey Devils were so bad. They, I think they ended up with like 40 points each. The Penguins got Lemieux. And the league didn't, they didn't address the problem then. They didn't address the problem when Quebec was terrible for years and, and they ended up with the likes of Matt Sundin and Owen Nolan and Eric Lindros. But they finally addressed it when Ottawa appeared to blatantly tank for Alex Daig, of all people, in 1993. <laughs> That's when the draft lottery was introduced, was just because yeah. of, of that. And, but, but that was 30 years ago. And we're still having the... They thought by putting the draft lottery in in 1993, it would negate teams tanking. And I I don't think it's served its purpose, right? From no, that perspective. I, what, what's fascinating to me is, you know, the NFL does not have a draft lottery. You finish dead last, you get the number one pick. And tanking's not really an issue in the NFL. You know, like the, the, the Bears, the last game of the season, Lovey Smith goes for two for Houston uh, at, at the end of the game in week 18, gets it. And that costs the Texans the number one pick, so the Bears get it, and the Bears just traded that number one pick for just a massive bounty yeah, that's going to completely boatload. change their franchise. Yeah. Like, now, I, I realize that in the NFL, one player, unless it's a quarterback, doesn't have that kind of impact that it does in hockey, which doesn't have the kind of impact it has in the NBA, obviously. But the NFL doesn't have a tanking problem. Those guys are trying to win every week. So I'm not sure the draft lottery is really addressing an issue. You still have teams tanking, but... You know, you're going to have teams that are terrible not get the, the 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 top picks because of the lottery. If you have a team like, let's say, Detroit, you know, with a seventh or eighth best odds this year wins the draft lottery, you're going to have a lot of teams that are just mired in mediocrity forever or worse. So I'm not entirely convinced the draft lottery is the best way to go. Maybe it's just you finish last, you get the number one pick. Maybe we just accept that fact and the tank is going to happen regardless. Uh, yeah. It, 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 There's no way to fix this. No, it's 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 there. It's still there, right? Uh, the only thing you gotta hope is that if your team does go into tank mode, that they're doing it for a very tiny window, like maybe one or two years. You don't want your team tanking for more than one season, maybe two, right? Like, right. That's, I mean, and, and at least in in defense of the Chicago slash Columbus and Arizona and I guess the Anaheim, whatever, like. Chicago in particular, like they knew what this year was. They knew this was the Bedard draft. Like if you're going to be bad, be bad in this one year, right? Yeah, they probably don't like, trade Alex Dabrinkit in a different summer. Totally. So I, I get it. I totally, I understand it. But, but man, there's, yeah, there's got to be a better It way. sucks. It's gross. Like the, 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 the day they traded Dabrinkit, I wrote a column saying how gross all this was. It's just such a naked attempt to be as bad as possible. But you know what? Ticket prices didn't go down. They're still trying, you know, you can get them on the secondary market for real cheap, but like face value, hot dogs didn't go down in price. Beers didn't go down in price. They're charging just as much as they did for a good team as they are for a team that is literally trying to lose, like being set up by the Chicago Blackhawks organization to lose. It's all, it's all so unseemly and gross. I hate it. I just don't think you can do anything to to really fix it. Yeah. And we've had been having this discussion, like I said, for the better part of three, if not four decades. So Hey, listen again. If someone else has a great solution, I know we got read one there from uh, from, from just Casey, remember, but the players don't care. Yeah, they they don't, don't want that pick. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, tell you what, Laz, every Thursday we bring this guy in. It's Jesse Granger for a segment we call Granger Things, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with The Athletic, Jesse Granger is with us. And, uh, you know, before we – I definitely want to chat about your piece this week, Jesse, on uh, the nets popping off uh, around the league. And certainly at, at certain points this year, it's been a, a talking point. But Laz is, like, super – he's super excited to be part of this because, you know, he can ask a, a question kind of related to odds – over under so i don't even know what's on his mind here i i have a question that given our title sponsor here i probably shouldn't ask but you know on tuesday night i'm in the united center and i'm watching the chicago blackhawks one of the worst rosters ever assembled just blow out the boston bruins one of the best teams we've ever seen so my question to you is why the hell would anyone ever bet on hockey <laughs> this is too stupid of a sport to be gambling on because it's the dumbest things happen in hockey and the flukiest games happen like why would anyone bet on hockey it, you know what? This sport, I would say, probably has more variance than any other sport. And it's interesting because, like, the, the handle on sports betting, like, if you, in, here in Las Vegas, is very minuscule, like, compared to football and the NBA and mm-hmm. March, March Madness this weekend. I'm curious if, if the, because I feel like the odds are not, they don't put as much time into the odds, like the odds makers in hockey, as they do into football. Because why would you, right? If you're if you're the, the, the sports book and you're sitting there and it's like, okay, well, if we get the point spread wrong on the Monday night football game, we're going to lose X hundred million dollars if everybody right. takes. Whereas like if we get the the Blackhawks Bruins line wrong, we're losing 20 bucks. Right. It's not going to be that big a deal. So <laughs> right. I like honestly like like if you can be a sharp hockey better, I think that there are ways to make money. It's funny you bring up that one cuz like a couple weeks ago, um I was actually on here talking about like the Blue Jackets, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, they're they were winning games as massive favorites. Um I I can't remember what the exact number is, but the Coyotes if you were to have just blindly bet the Coyotes every single time at home this season, um, you'd be up like a hundred dollars on every game. You'd be up over a thousand dollars. Yeah, mullet magic. Yeah, just because because you don't need to win every game because the odds are so insane. Right. Um, you've got to. You, you only got to win every one. That's an interesting few. idea, just to bet on like the crappy teams because they're still going to win thirty games in a year, right? Right? <laughs> right? Right? It's not always now. Now, if you were betting the Coyotes on the road every game blindly, <laughs> I think you'd be down like nine hundred and seventy-seven dollars or something. So you'd be like, I always like, even. like like the sport. The sport <laughs> that really kills me that people bet is basketball because of the free throws at the end. Like you could have right. a game that's like neck and neck for you know forty-seven and a half minutes, and it ends up a twelve-point game because there's intentional fouling at the end. Like like I would that that's the sport I would truly 
truly stay away from. Like hockey's random, but basketball is not indicative of the game. I think more so than any other sport. The garbage time in basketball right. is more severe than any well, other sport. The v- hockey's version of that is the empty net goal, right? Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people yeah. will bet the puck line minus a goal and a half, and it's like I just need him to win by two. And then so you'll you'll like you'll be at a Vegas. Like I hear it all the time at a bar here in Vegas or at a sports book. Like you hear someone like, "Come on, I need that empty net," or like more than anything, just so they can win that bet, get up by two goals. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the it's like the backdoor cover at the end of an NFL game, right? That, yep. that garbage time touchdown that really doesn't mean anything that just uh, that skews the line. Um, just I, I did want to ask you, though, this week about the story you and Mike Russo did earlier this week, and that is looking at the phenomenon of goalies knocking off the net. And it seems like it just in general, as you guys say in the story, in general, it seems to be happening more often this season. League is paying attention. Like, how much of an issue is this, really? Yeah, so it, it definitely has been happening more. I... I wish I could pull up stats on it. You'd probably have to watch every game back and count them yourself because they don't keep stats like that. But it has gotten to the point where so Russo got to to see it in the situation room. They're literally like clipping videos every time it happens. Um, the the league is to like to build a database of this is when all the times it was hit off the net. So like they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't think there was at least a, the ch- a chance that it was an issue. And as I kind of like, so I got to talk to all the goalies down in Florida um, when I was down there with uh, Laz also, and they all basically said the same thing. It's the, the way we play against the posts has changed. Yeah. Now this isn't brand new. It's not this year. It's, this has been happening for, I'd say, seven, eight years, probably. I don't know the exact year that people started doing the reverse VH, um, which is what I talked about in the story. And for, I mean, anyone who watches hockey, if you don't know what the reverse VH is, you do. You just don't know that that's the actual technical name of it. But it's when the goalie goes down on his knee and hugs the post. Um, and he uses his far, his further away leg to kind of plant his skate into the ice and really push against that post. And I wrote it in the story, but like, I think it's interesting that Early on in the reverse VH, goalies weren't knocking the, the nets off. And the reason was because they weren't shooters hadn't figured out how to score on that position yet. So say this technique started seven, eight years ago. For the first five years of it, shooters were just not picking that top corner. And now we see it all the time. You see, I don't know how many times every night I see it. A goalie goes down into that reverse VH and a shooter picks that top, that short side top corner. So now the, the shooters have counteracted that. So now the goalies are counteracting themselves. And Olmark really laid it out well, where he said, if you're not big enough, you've got to really push your shoulder up into that crossbar. So now you're thinking, okay, the goalie's basically inside the net. He's already got pressure on the net sideways. And now he's pressing his shoulder up against the crossbar to try to avoid giving up that bad goal. And that's the other thing Hellebuck said. It's like, not only are these goals against, they're the worst kind of goal you can allow because everyone watching is like, oh, what a terrible goal. So they're pressing their shoulder up. They're now lifting the mooring off. And if you like the Matt Murray one against the wild is the one that everybody loves to look at because it happened three times. That's exactly what happened. He's pushing his shoulder up into that crossbar to try to prevent it from, from, from there being a hole there. And he's lifting the mooring off. I don't know if you need to change the goalies techniques and say you guys need to just stop doing that because every time you knock it off, it's a penalty or if they can find a way to change the moorings. But it's an interesting development that the goalies are 
putting a lot more stress on that mooring than they did in the past when the puck would go to the side of the net. They'd kind of just stand up straight and put their legs real close together. And like that was the way you used to defend it. Now they're they're using their pads in a different way and it's putting stress on those on those moorings. And you've got these goalies are all six foot six. So when they're doing that, they're bigger, they're stronger. Right. They're going to hit the top of the net more often than they would have in the past. Right. And it's not. So the other way that it comes off is them just pushing it off with their skate, because when you go into that RVH position, you're skate blade is against the post. Like you're anchoring some, sometimes some guys will do it with the toe of their pad, but either way you're anchoring yourself to that pad, to that post. Now the puck goes to the center into the slot. What do you do? You kick off that post to push yourself into the center. And Vasilevsky said, he's like, I'm 220 pounds. When I kick off that thing, it's going to come off sometimes. And it's not like the, like a lot of people, you look at it and it's like, well, he's blatantly kicking the post off. No, he's done that a hundred times in this game. It just never popped off until now. He's pushing off of that post to try to get to the center. And it's, I mean, goalie coaches are teaching goalies to do this. Like not just NHLers, young kids, like that's just the techniques that are being taught. And they weren't being taught not that long ago. These techniques didn't exist. So they're, like I said, it's, it's putting those moorings to the test and sometimes they don't hold up. And then the other thing was, and I think I didn't realize this until I started talking to these guys. But it happens once it happens once in a game, it seems to happen more times in the game. Like once it's happened once, it seems like Murray had it the three times. Uh, Linus Olmark said had a great quote. He's like, yeah, I didn't do it my whole life. Then I saw that it was a controversy on Twitter. The next game, I knocked it off three times in the game. And I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? And the goalies had a great explanation for it. They were like, look, a lot of times when that post comes, when that mooring comes out, The ref is just grabbing it and throwing it back in. And the snow that is gathered around the crease just from skating falls down into that hole. The referee is not cleaning it out. He's putting it in. And that mooring doesn't just simply does not work as effectively when it's not at the correct depth. So I found it fascinating. The NHL sent out a memo to all referees a couple weeks back saying, it is your job to make sure when you're putting that mooring in there, I know you guys aren't ice keepers, but we need you to really make sure. And if, and they said, take the time. If you have to, to have the ice crew come out, they've got like a shop vac. If you watch them between the intermissions, they've always got the vacuum out there, uh, cleaning it out to make sure the mooring goes all the way down because they think that the, the league, after watching all these videos of it happening, the league believes the biggest reason is the fact that it's not getting installed correctly and it's not going as deep as it should because the snow is go- is going in that hole. I'd be curious, how many times does this happen at home versus the road? Like, do you think there's any way a team is kind of being a little... I guess you wouldn't... Although it's tricky, if the goalies aren't being nailed for delay of game, then it's not really advantageous to have the net knocked off, right? Like... It, well, it's like right. baseball teams that grow the infield grass a little longer to make because they have a good infield, right? Yeah. Like uh, it's it, it, it's just if there's any little quarter of an inch advantage you can take, you're going to take it. If you've got a goalie who really likes using those posts as leverage, it's like we're drilling the crap out of those <laughs> holes. Like make yeah. sure that that thing is not coming out. Whereas maybe if your goalie doesn't like to use it as much, it's like yeah, don't put them in quite as deep, and then the other team's goalie will knock them off. I don't. I. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know if there's any correlation by arena, but I would say that like maybe the worst that like the, the arenas that have the bad ice, that the ice just isn't as good. You're, you're going to have more slush and more snow around the crease. And maybe it's, it's more likely to not get installed correctly when it does pop off. I don't know. So here's, here, here's a dumb question that after all the years I've been on this job, I shouldn't admit, I don't know the answer to is the reason that the nets are so easily removable just for Zamboni purposes, or is it, 
to prevent injuries from forwards flying into it and and having it have some give there. What's what's the origin of the mooring situation? Yeah, one hundred percent injury prevention. So okay. not not that long. Well, it's been a while, but back in the day. They did have like metal posts. Yeah, you have broken yeah, like, legs and broken faces. And, yeah. and guys would get injured. So so the moorings they use now are plastic and they are designed to pop off relatively okay. easy. So that's, yeah, like if the goal was just to anchor the net down so that the goalies could push off it as hard as they want, like that wouldn't be an issue. They could do that very easily if they wanted to. Um, they just, they're, it's, it's, it's a tough line that they're trying to, to walk, right? Like you want it as sturdy as it can possibly be, but... If a forward runs into it, it's it comes off easy enough to where they don't get hurt. And for for the longest time, the goalies, like I said, they weren't putting that pressure on it. They weren't using it as an anchor quite as much. And for the longest time, it's like those moorings worked perfectly fine. But now the goalies, so it's, it's a question of do we need to change the moorings or do these goalies need to stop using this technique? It's not an easy one to answer. I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, good luck legislating that. Right. Well, okay. So counter counterpoint to all of this. Uh, if you want to prevent players from crashing the net, why not go back to the old school, put them in, and hey, if a forward runs into the net at full speed, maybe you shouldn't have been going into the blue paint with that intent. You, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Is there an argument to be made on that? Or no, that's too dangerous. I, you know what? Someone on Twitter, um, probably someone who plays goalie, I would guess, um, actually made that argument. They said ever since they took the nets, they they took the metal posts out and made it to where the net will give. The skaters crash the net way harder. You see way, right. way more goalies getting run because there's no fear of running into that net. Whereas you're flying down the ice at 20 miles an hour and you know that net is not moving. You're probably not going to the net quite as hard. So maybe I could see it. You know, the other thing that uh, just because it popped into my head because I remembered someone that commented on it. Another comment that I thought was interesting was... So it's it's harsh to penalize a goalie every time it pops off because it's like sometimes it's not the goalie's fault. Who knows if maybe the thing wasn't installed correctly? What if every time the goalie knocks the net off, it's a face off where the defending team doesn't have a f- guy in the face off? And you're basically giving possession to the other team. You don't get a center. We're dropping the puck. They get to pass it back. And now they've got offensive possession. You're not giving a penalty. And we're not sure if it's like... Quite the worst thing. I don't know. It's something way outside like the that. box. That, that, that's when I half, read it, half, I'm like, half measures don't do it for me. I mean, it's eh. look, it's a faster game than it's ever been. Guys are going to hit the net. They're going to have a tougher time slowing down when they are coming in with speed True. to the net. There's going to be collisions. There's, I, I don't think it's a huge issue. It was a huge issue for like four days in right. like no, December. And it was a huge deal because it kept happening to a Toronto and Minnesota teams, two of the loudest fan bases out yes. there. I don't really see it as a huge issue. It's a fascinating issue. I thought your story was great, but I don't think this is like like the league doesn't need to step in and do something about this just yet. I don't feel. I I agree with you. Like how many goals are not being scored because oops, the net came off. It doesn't really happen that often, right? Until Matt Murray does it three times in the Stanley <laughs> Cup final in a game, that's right? And that, then that's, that's always right, the issue, right? Is, right? What happens if it's Game Seven of the Stanley right, Cup right. final? And this happens, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. That's everyone's. You know, I've always felt just to close this uh, segment out, um, like puck over glass was the same thing, right? Like where they felt like it got to the point where the game was being delayed, and then all of a sudden they were like, you know what, we need to start making this a penalty. Here's what I've always thought about puck over glass, and I think I would apply the rule to the net popping off. I feel like puck over glass, every team should get one freebie in a game, okay? Because sometimes it happens by accident, sometimes it's not intentional, it just happens. You get one. But the second time it happens, now you get a penalty. And so you get a, I, a I warning, essentially. 
Yeah, I wonder if that's the solution with the, if there's a, if this becomes a bigger problem with the net coming off. Okay, first time, fine. Happens Yellow again, card. it's a penalty. Yellow card, red card. I like All right, well, it. What, what, yeah. happens if it, what happens if a net comes off while, because of a goalie, but there's also like five guys in his crease and there might be some other incidental contact. I mean, there's no way to legislate. There's just, there's just no way. Like puck over glass, either, either it was clean out or it wasn't. Right. Like, I don't see, like, there's so many people in the creases. That, that's where the goals are. That's where the greasy goals are, right? That it would be almost impossible to say, like, that was 100% the goalie kicking off the net. I, I just, I don't see how you could legislate this and not have it be a bigger fiasco than it is not legislating it. I agree with Mark that this isn't like, we must fix this. It's ruining hockey. Goalies are not, like, it's a very small thing and just... Me being the goalie nerd I am, like I was oh, it, fascinated it, it, I by. Lo- it. I love like the minutia of it, and the and the it, like the like the fact that there's a little extra snow in the morning. Like that's fascinating to me. I, like that's something you'd never think of uh, otherwise. I just I, right it, until it happens in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. I just I yeah. can't imagine anyone stepping in. I thought it was fascinating that it's like okay, it's happening a bunch this year. It seems like it is, but like there's probably not an actual reason for it. But then when you talk to the goalies, and it's like. This technique is why it's happening. Yeah, and, and, and they've and they've thought of it clearly. Like you weren't surprising them with the question. Like this is something they've clearly thought 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 about. Right. Yeah. No, it's a great story. And if you if you didn't get a chance to uh, to read it, uh, you know, just uh, check out Jesse and uh, and Mike Russo combined uh, for that up on uh, the Athletic earlier this week. Jesse, as always, great to have you on the Thursday Pod, my friend. Uh, thanks for this, and uh, yeah, we'll get you again. Sean and I will get you again next uh, uh, next Thursday. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, hey, I want to I ask you about this story too uh, before we read a couple of other emails. The One of the major junior hockey leagues in Canada, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, um, and full credit to Le Journal de Quebec, they were the first to report this news Um within the last few days, but it looks like the QMJHL is going to put a full ban on fighting. A QMJHL spokesperson uh, told the Hockey News on Wednesday, Laz, 
that, quote, the QMJHL is planning to have a rule in place that will ban fighting, making it black and white that it no longer is part of our game. The punishments have not been decided as of yet. We will be looking to have a place, uh, a rule in place uh, by June when we have our next Board of Governors meeting. So basically, and, and they've been they've been cracking down on this in the past, kind of, uh, you know, basically... 10-minute misconducts and, and game misconducts and suspensions. But now they're, they're they're saying we are going to take fighting out of our junior hockey league. And, and just so people understand, for the most part, you're talking about 16-year-old players up to 20-year-old players that they would remove fighting. I, I like the idea. I'll be honest. It's probably overdue. Uh, I know that there's going to be people saying it's part of the game. You got to have it. But here's my question for you because you're obviously south of the border. Uh, and, and, and like, so in the NCAA, you can't fight, right? Like, I believe that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the guys that come out of the NCAA though, like they're, they're, I I obviously, I think of Brady Kachuk, for example, like, it's not like they come into the NHL and they're just being annihilated. Like they, they know how to handle themselves. And what I, I don't like in junior hockey is I don't like teenagers fighting. You know, 15, 16, oh, 16, 17 year old guys, especially if there could be a fight between a 19 or a 20 year old against a 16 year old. And I don't like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like this. I understand where people are coming from. It's part of the game, but I don't think it should be. I, I, I like this. I am famously a, uh, uh, a beta soy boy, cuck, soft, whatever you want to call me guy. That's I don't right. like fighting in hockey. I can't believe it still exists. Um, we all we know about head injuries, and you have these guys. Jared Tenorti literally broke his face by taking a puck to his face, missed three months, fought in his first period back. Like, I don't understand why this still exists. But here's the thing I don't like fighting, but players believe in fighting. And I always go back to my first year on the beat was in 2013. And the year before, that's when Rafi Torres basically murdered Marion Hosa. Like, yeah. just launched into him, skates left. Laid him out. He was, you know, Hosa was in literally a dark room for months. Like he couldn't like go, couldn't go outside for months because of it. And after the lockout, one of their first games back, it was like the second or third game of the year, was in Arizona where Rafi Torres was. So it was all this hype leading up to it. And Jamal Mayers, he was the Blackhawks enforcer that year. He knew what he had to do. He's the stupidest thing ever when you, when you, when you actually say these things, it's so stupid, but he jumps over the boards. He goes to Rafi Torres. You want to do this? Rafi Torres says, okay. They drop their gloves. They throw a couple of half-hearted punches and then the matter's resolved. It's completely resolved. Everyone on both sides is like, okay, Rafi Torres answered the bell. Jamal uh, Mayer stood up for his teammate. The matter is now closed. And every player I talked to said, if we didn't have that, you'd have all these guys going after Rafi Torres, taking swings at his knees, trying to injure him, which I don't understand why it's an either-or proposition, why it's either we fight or we try to, you know, end this guy's career. I don't under... Like, go hit the guy. Beat him. Beat him on the scoreboard. I'd like to see you just... Go go, go win 9 nothing and shove it in his face that way. But this is the way hockey players think, and they think it'll be worse if there's not fighting. They think that the league will get dirtier, you'll have more injuries, because for the most part, these guys are throwing punches at helmeted heads. They're not really landing a lot. Like very every now and then you see a guy land an uppercut and a guy just goes ice cold and it's terrifying to see and I hate it. But for the most part, these fights are hug fests with a couple of wild throws. These guys are standing on knives on ice. It's really hard to throw a good punch. 
So for the most part, it's not a huge issue. I don't like it. I, I don't like the jokes that it come like non-hockey fans don't take hockey seriously because it exists. There's a lot to hate about fighting in the NHL with all we know about head injuries. But every player I've ever talked to, like every single one said it would be way worse without it. So but, I kind of defer to them on that. Yeah, I, and it's the weirdest thing, though, because the argument, like you said, is, well, then the rats will take over the game. But I kind of look back and I think, like, the amount of ratty behavior I think has dropped considerably. You go back to the 80s and 90s when there were still bench-clearing brawls and full-on fights. I felt like the dirty, ratty behavior was bigger. Heck, we had a guy. Oh, yeah. Ken Linsman's nickname was The Rat. You can't like, be in the NHL if you're not a skilled, good skater now either. Right. Like, there's not guys, there's no John Scott out there playing four and a half minutes a game just in case there's a fight. Every yeah. fourth liner is a capable player. Every fourth liner now, you drop in the 1980s, they'd be the best player in the league. I mean, it, you just, there just aren't many guys like this. So it, it takes someone like a Rafael Torres or a, 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 a Matt Cook, one of those guys who's both really good and really dirty. Like, you have to have skill to be a rat. And most guys who are skilled don't play that way anymore. You know, Matt Barzell and, you know, Connor McDavid aren't going out there taking cheap shots at guys because that's not the game they play anymore. The game's changed. So we see a lot less fighting. We see it hardly at all in the playoffs. So it's not a huge issue, but, you know, you talk about bench clearing brawls that stopped on a dime. The second they said 10 game suspension and a five game suspension for your coach. If you do that, yep. they stopped cold. It never happened since. You can fix this, but I, as much as I would like to see fighting out of the game, I'm in the minority there, and the players say it would make the game significantly more dangerous. Yeah, and and but but maybe what we need to do is phase it out in those junior levels, and and cut, like let's see. Yeah, like I'm all for it. Like you know, I'm all there, for there, it. There, isn't there less hitting now, especially in the Canadian uh, uh, youth leagues? Like there's they're they're starting to take hitting out of the game too now, right? And, and but that see now now that's a dangerous thing because you want to teach them how to hit properly and safely right right and if you don't separate teach a guy them to later yeah anyway there, there's lots of arguments either way I still think you can have a physically uh, kind of intimidating game without fighting I think so well I look at one of the the main topics at the GM meetings this week was. Uh, the, 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 the idiot, the, the fights that I hate, the ones that like, oh, you delivered a clean hit to my star player. I must um, punch you now. Like, yeah. that's the stupidest thing. Like the, there's nothing in hockey that pisses me off more than a guy having to fight because he delivered a clean, legal, perfectly fine hit. It's stupid. And the, the numbers that, that, you know, I was reading that story that Russo and Gentili had, the numbers are hilarious. Like in like 20% of these instances, the instigator penalty, which was created to stop this from happening is even called like they don't even re they don't even call it like every time you see a guy put his shoulder into someone's chest he has to fight it's stupid either you're allowed to hit a guy or you're not yeah no i'm, I'm with you i'm with you uh, the worst though is when one of those clean hits happens to a star player and then nobody responds and then says, i can't believe they didn't respond to that hit. right exactly like, you can't win right some some, you can't, you some, can't win. some 75 year old hockey man's gonna be ah oh, this team doesn't like itself they don't like each other they're bad teammates no yeah they're just not gonna take a 17 minute penalty oh man hey speaking of penalties and uh and whatnot let me let's wrap up this uh, pod uh go back to the emails uh reminder with the athletic hockey show we love to hear your voice you can hit us up with a voicemail at 845-445-8459 or email. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Adam in Pittsburgh. 
has a question for us, Laz. Uh, when a player gets a game misconduct penalty, it officially adds 10 minutes to their penalty minute total. Why is this? Uh, wouldn't it make more sense if a game misconduct was worth 60 minutes because they're missing an entire game? Or if maybe that sounds a little excessive, maybe make it worth 20 minutes. We already have a 10-minute misconduct penalty. I think a game misconduct should be worth more penalty minutes than any other penalty that simply allows a player to return to the game. What do you think about this? That is from Adam in Pittsburgh. I, I mean, no offense to Adam in Pittsburgh, but who cares? Like, who's who's keeping track of penalty minute stats these days? And, you know, there's no award for having the most or the least penalty minutes. Um, I don't think I, it, this feels like an issue that doesn't need to be fixed. Um, it would be funny if, like, you if you if you get a game misconduct, you know, six minutes into a game and you get 54 minutes in penalty minutes. I would laugh at that. I would like that. But I, I don't I don't. I don't understand the the need. Like you don't have guys getting 350 penalty minutes anymore and like wearing it as a badge of honor like you did in the 80s. You know what's interesting? Right now, as we sit here and have this discussion in the middle of March, there are three players in the NHL as that have over a hundred penalty minutes. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's a different game. Austin Watson of Ottawa leads the charge at 106. Um Pat Maroon of Tampa is right behind at 105. And uh, Arbor Jacki of the Montreal Canadiens at 101. That's it. Like, there's a chance that nobody gets to 120 penalty minutes this year. And that's great, and that's because yeah. nobody fights anymore. Like, you don't get you don't get to 300 penalty minutes by hooking and slashing your way there. You get there by getting instigator penalties and five minute majors. And because fighting is 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 a lot less common than it used to be. You're just not going to have those numbers anymore. You don't have guys whose job, like, you know, there used to be NBA guys. You'd have a center whose job was to go get six fouls. Yeah. Those guys don't really <laughs> exist anymore either. Like that, That's what it used to be in the NHL. You had a guy whose job was to go fight. And now that you don't have that anymore, you just have players who are either maybe a little dirty or a little sloppy with their stick, a little undisciplined. And, and that's fine. That's part of the game. And so this, that's, 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 that's the best stat I've heard all day. Uh, Matt writes in, Guys, what is your favorite trade in NHL history and why? Oh was it the Doug Gilmore trade for the size, uh, Jason Spezza and a draft pick, uh, and uh, Daniel Chara for Alexi Yashin? Oh, Ryan I don't like Smith. that one. As, 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 a, as an Islanders fan in that era, I did not like that one at all. Oh, that was a, that was a big <laughs> one for Ottawa. Uh, Aginla and Neuendijk as the perfect win now versus future trade swap. What's your favorite trade of all time? So, okay, well, listen. Let, let's. So you grew up an Islanders fan, is that right? I did. So I, had, like, all, all, I, I had no good trades. It was all Mike Millerberry making terrible trades. So, but you were like a touch too young for the dynasty, right? I was born in 1980, so I don't remember any of the Cubs. Yeah, so I only knew the misery. You only know the misery of the 90s or whatever. Like, do you remember any like the Pierre Turgeon trade or Lafontaine? I, I don't even remember the the details of my the, the one that killed me was the Ziggy Palfi trade. That was my favorite. That was my guy as a teenager, and oh, they traded him Ziggy for just Palfi. nothing. The I, I think the emailer he mentioned Ryan Smith when he came over from Edmonton, and yeah. how funny it was because he was so just so unhappy about it. He was crying. Remember that? <laughs> he was, uh, he's like, "Oh God, don't send me there." Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 send me to New York from Edmonton. Like who's ever said that before? Yeah. Um, yeah, my my, I, I mean, the greatest trade in NHL history has to be the Lindros trade, right? The draft day. I mean, you you created you, you know the, the Avalanche got two cups out of it. Yeah, and and the like, crazy thing is that Quebec 
pulled off a trade with two teams at the same time. They had to like go to an independent arbitrator. Yeah. To determine who they actually traded them to. Was it the Rangers or the Flyers? And that, you know, that Peter Ford, like there's a great argument within that. And, and both of them had their careers kind of, kind of stunted a little bit by injuries. But there's an argument that Peter Forsberg's career was just as brilliant at the NHL level as, as Eric Lindros, right? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, he had, and he had more longevity, too. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, like, I mean, that, that trade, like, it, it, it basically set up a franchise for a decade to come. Like, yeah. that's, that's what you're looking for when you're trading, you know, when you're trading a number one pick. You're looking for that kind of haul now. It's like, you know, when the Saints traded for Ricky Williams. Didn't work out that well. No. The Bears trading right now. Like, will that work out? I don't know. But the Avalanche, that's the model. That's what you want. When you're trading, when you have an asset that everybody wants, you can flip it into several great assets. That's the dream, right? And they're one of the few that have successfully pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap it up with a little this week in hockey history. We go back, kind of look at a couple of things that happened this week in the uh, the history of this game. Last, this is nuts to me. But just a couple of years ago, March 12th, 2020, the NHL oh God, announces yeah. they are pausing the rest of the regular season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. If you recall, that was right. It was like the same kind of window where uh, Rudy Gobert in the NBA, mm-hmm. he has his whole thing. NBA shuts down. The NHL was the next day. That was three years ago this week. I swear to you, that feels like it was 10 years ago. It was March 11th. That was uh, the Blackhawks were hosting the Sharks, and we're in the press box reading. Oh God, Tom Hanks has COVID. Oh yeah. God, the NBA is shutting down, and we're all like, and and the Blackhawks and Sharks are playing a fun game, and fans are like, Yay, hockey! And we're all like, What the world is stopping? What is going on? Yeah, it's funny. That's three years ago. It feels like a hundred years ago, and it also feels like yesterday to me. It's like that's like one of those March eleventh, twenty twenty, will be a day that sticks in my brain till the day I die. Well, are you one of those people? Like I remember the NHL shutting down the NBA shutting down, and I naively remembered thinking this will be two weeks, oh, God. maybe four. My, my Facebook memories this week are just every single one. It's like, yep, that didn't age well. Nope, that didn't age well. Nope, that one either. And we're all like, you know, ha, 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 ha. And, oh, man, two weeks with my home with my kids. That's going to be crazy. Uh, I can't believe that school shut down for a month. And it's it's it's, it's kind of like hilarious sad to look back on yeah. and think of how naive we were. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing that happened this week in hockey history, we'll, we'll take our listeners all the way back to 1955, March 17th, 1955. So the day before the NHL, and at the time they didn't have a commissioner, it was a president, but Clarence Campbell suspends Montreal superstar Rocket Richard for the rest of the season. He basically swung a stick, hit an opponent, hit a linesman, all that. The league says, you know what? Rocket Richard, you're done for the rest of the season and the playoffs, okay? So that's on March 16th, 1955. The next day is St. Patrick's Day. This is what I've never understood, lads. On St. Patrick's Day, with the entire city of Montreal angry at him, NHL President Clarence Campbell decides, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to go to the forum. I'm going to watch the Habs game. Like... What, what could he, possibly go wrong? Did anybody try and talk him out of it? You know, Clarence, you may want to sit this one out. They're a little angry. So what happens? The fans riot inside the arena. The game has to be postponed. 37 people are injured. They have to deploy tear gas inside uh, in the area because people are out of control. 
100 people get arrested. Rocket Richard himself had to go on the radio the next morning <laughs> and beg people to settle down. Like, what was Clarence Campbell thinking? You know what I got? Can you imagine if this would be like Gary Bettman today? He is he has suspended Connor McDavid for the rest of the season in the playoffs. You know what I gotta do? I'm gonna go to the Oilers game tomorrow at Edmonton. <laughs> that's the that's what he did. Do you think that'll happen when the NHL's in Houston or Atlanta or Kansas City that the fans will be that pissed off about anything that happens in hockey? I don't know. I that might be the angriest. Any well, it has to Vancouver, be. Vancouver, Vancouver, twenty eleven. Yeah, that's yeah. There I guess that's the, only, there that, that's the only one, right? Is Vancouver yeah. twenty eleven? So, got I love, I love, I, I love Canada. I love being up there. I love the energy of the fans, and I yeah. would not want to be on the wrong side of them. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> uh, certainly not with that. All right, hey Laz, this was great. This was fantastic. You're jumping in on the Thursday pod, pinch hitting for Dan Always fun. Brown. This was. I, uh, I bring a very different energy than uh, than Macindo does. But you're funnier though. We can we can agree on that. Well, he's 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 like he's funnier, but he's like got that dry deadpan funny. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, look at me dancing here like a clown. You know, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm flop sweating, trying so hard. Yeah. Oh no, no. This was this was great. All right, listen. Thanks for this. Um, and I'm sure. Listen, I've, I, in fact, I already think we're we're trying to get you back for the Monday show with uh, with Julian. So. Hey, always always happy to be here. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us, too, for the last hour. Uh, you can always email us, like I said. Any questions, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Voicemail, 845-445-8459. Right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.